Podcast. Hello and welcome. My name is Jakub. And together with me, there's my uh, good colleague joining us from Madrid. Still in Madrid. Yeah, uh, still in Madrid. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. I'm just checking, you know. Uh, Lola Garcia Hofrin. Um, and today we are trying something new because we are finally, finally, finally publishing a great story done by uh, two of our great colleagues who you will see in a second. They are here in the background waiting to enter the stage. Mm, and we wanted to basically entertain you also with some kind of a conversation around this story. Um, talk to them, basically see uh, how are they, how they feel and how do they work on this story. So Lola, you want to start introducing them? Uh, yeah, so today we have with us uh, photojournalist Luis Tato, that maybe you heard his name in the last days because he's one of the nominees for the World Press Photo this year. And reporter Anthony Langat uh, from Kenya, who is uh, specialized in climate change, and they are going to talk about this uh, story, Samburu, that they did uh, spending some days with some shepherds in the north of Kenya. Um, they will tell us more. Hello. Hey, hello, guys. How are you? Good. Good hey. to see you. Anthony, you're, you're still with us? Okay. I'm here. Hi, guys. Good. How are you? Good, good. I see that you're like praying to your phone now. So like, please, please, I have enough data. I have enough data. So <laughs> don't worry. Yeah, I have the phone just in case. Uh, <laughs> yeah, OK. So uh, where are you guys right now, actually? Uh, I'm in Nairobi, uh -huh. uh, where I've been for the last uh, four years now. Um, my, home, my home in Nairobi. Having a quiet morning, I'm very happy to talk to you guys. And what about you, Anthony? Okay, we have to wait for his phone to react. Um, okay, and how did you take the... I mean, before we jump into Samburu, I just wanted to know if you could tell us a little bit more about the photo which received the, which received the nomination. Like, uh, how much time actually were you working on this one? You know, and was it a part of a bigger story or just a, just a shot? Yeah, it was part of a bigger story. Actually, I've been nominated also for the story as, as such in the nature category. And then from that story, they have taken that picture, that single image as uh, nominated for the World Photo Award. And that's part of a story I was following and covering last year in the, uh, mostly in the northern part of Kenya, uh, following the low-cost invasion in East Africa. That was a story quite uh, relevant and important in the region during the last year. And that actually happened at the same time that the global pandemic was a, a big reality for all of us. So it was a quite interesting story to follow. And well, because that coverage has been awarded this year again. Cool. Well, congratulations. Congratulations. We hope you will win. When are the results? Actually, in a couple of days, uh, April 15. Wow. So. Do you know already? No, no, no. I, I promise I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, did you get like a secret email? Please don't tell anyone. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
Instagram ini detail detail events. But for this one, send us an email to Renata that they want the secret. We will know as as soon as everybody knows. So yeah, let's see how it goes. And how did you guys started to work uh, with each other? Like, so um, I mean, the I think the media industry, like the media group in Kenya or Nairobi, is not that big, so it's easy to have connections. Like, wow. but actually, this is the, the the first story we work properly together, and actually, I was very happy because the the feeling working with. Uh, With Anthony was great. I think we we, we team up in my group. Uh, I don't know if he agrees with me. Maybe he thinks I'm I'm difficult to work with. I hope not. But uh, yeah, my my personal feeling was that working with Anthony was great. I'm actually very happy, and I hope we can keep exploring. I have been actually we've been actually talking about it. How we can explore this collaboration for for future stories. And I, yeah, I would like to ask you. Uh, I don't know if we can start with the trip already, but I would like to ask you for people who don't know what what is Samburu. Can you explain us a little bit uh, who are Samburu population in the north of Kenya and who is the how do they live? Um, Anthony, are you with us? I think you can give us a better yeah. background. Than, yeah, you can talk about Samburu. Probably. Yeah. So- yeah. Okay, so um, uh, they live mostly in the northern part of uh, of Kenya. They are um, uh, a group of people. They are um, related to the to the Maasai. They are one of the uh, w- one of the sub tribes of the of the larger um, Maasai group or Maas speakers in Kenya. There are around uh, 22 mass speakers that are subtribes of the Greater Maasai group. Um, they number around uh, a few hundred thousands, uh, spread uh, across um, various counties in uh, in the northern part of the country. Um, they, they subsist mainly on um, on their livestock. That's their source of livelihoods. They they they, they uh, rear camels and cattle and uh, sheep and goats and even donkeys and um, they they move from uh, place to place even though most of them have settled in in, in particular places but uh, you find that some still move from one place to another in search of pasture and and water because of uh, the, the nature of the terrain this is because of course um, most of these uh, uh, semi nomadic uh, people of the of Kenya's north Uh, um, uh, they hold their their land communally, so you don't have like a specific parcel of land that is uh, owned by one person. So the community owns the land, and you can move from one place to the other in such of uh, in in such of pasture, in such of water for their for their livestock. Yeah. So um, uh, amongst the Samburu, there are also the Rendile that live close by there um the, the 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 oromo the the boranas the the somalis that live close by and their kind of uh, of life is semi nomadic and dependence on uh, on on livestock mainly uh, we are seeing right now uh, part of the story that uh, Anthony and Luis uh, did together they spent some days with the Samburu shepherds 
And how, how was uh, the trip? Uh, what is the most challenging when you accompany uh, a, a group of shepherds that they live semi-nomad and they are looking for water? How, how was the trip? Yeah, yeah the trip was uh, exciting. I have done a number of stories up north. So as uh, Louis, Louis has also worked up north even though that wasn't uh, we, we have this was as he said this was the first time that we were working together for me um, most times that i've gone up north it's usually to go and um, work on a story and uh, spend uh, probably two days but of course not spending time from morning till evening with the with, with the with the people that i'm uh, going to interview or going to work on a story about so for this particular story, it was interesting in that we had to live with them. We had to spend more time with them. We had to eat what they are eating and do what they are going to do as in follow them up as they wake up in the morning, as they go about their chores, which include um, taking their livestock out to graze, taking their livestock to the river for them to drink. and. Uh, following them up from and to, to also appreciate the distance that they have to walk in search of the pasture in search of uh, in, in, in search of of water for their for their livestock in search of water for themselves for drinking which are found in boreholes that are far apart from where they have gone to 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 live uh, temporarily as they as they get um, as, as they get grass and pasture for, for for their livestock so for me this particular um story and working on a reportage for this particular story was was different in that sense of spending more time with the people that we were interviewing you, you yeah, said anthony yes yeah, you said anthony that you need to walk a lot every day how many hours they they walk for looking for water how many hours per day um was that around eight hours because they went to move from uh, the Kilaker hill down yeah. to to, to Lysamis river that's like almost five kilometers that's like three hours a three hours walk and of course for during the time that the, the it depends on who is going because if it is the the woman who is going for water that's going to be used um in, in the household chores with the with the donkey maybe she would be going straight to the river but for someone like Perry or the, the guy who is with the shepherd himself he sometimes goes slowly as the as, as the livestock browse so it's going to take more time because he's heading there slowly so that he can get to the river and as the as, as the uh, livestock also get to uh, browse get to eat pasture on the way so but not less than three hours and uh, um, in the article ask me you mentioned some memories that they share with you like, yeah uh, i said that in the article you mentioned that uh, they told you that before they used to see in this area elephants even lions uh, how do their life change for them in the last decades what did they tell you yeah, that that was uh, Lagato in uh, from a, a village called Lerugusho, not far from uh, Laisamis town. 
and uh, Lagato was intimating to me that in the past, because he's now in, in his 50s, so he remembers in the past when he was a young boy and uh, the, the area around where the current Laisamis town stands used to be uh, a savanna, it used to be a bush, and um, many wildlife uh, animals were, were, were there at that time. He, could, he, remember, he recalls of, of elephants, of, of lions, of many other wildlife that were, were there at that time. And which goes to show how rich the the fauna was at that time over the years been depleted either through climate change and also you through anthropogenic means where human activity affects the the fauna of a place so this has changed and uh, lagato also he, he was a, he was a good person to interview and he had quite a grasp of of, of the changes that have occurred over the years because he says he remembers when he was a young boy in uh, 1974 there was a, 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 a very bad drought and uh, that his father lost a huge herd of his livestock due to due to death because of the, of the drought because of lack of water lack of lack of pasture and then the, the, they lost a lot a lot of livestock at that time but then he says that then dissipated and uh, th there was rain and and they, they had pasture and they, and they had water and yeah thank you anthony uh, well the story is, is beautiful the the pictures are amazing Only also. later on, we, again that, that sorry i think we lost the, the last, the last part, sentence I would like, yeah the last sentence i would like to ask you luis uh, for you, what it was the most challenging? Uh, we saw the pictures uh, going with them to collect the water at night. Uh, for you, what was the the most challenging uh, of this trip? For me, the most, let's say, shocking part was actually what Anthony was mentioning before. I remember uh, we spent the night there. We actually spent with them. And the next morning, uh, after they, they, the first thing they do in the morning is milking the animals. And after they milk they get ready to go for water. They go to a water point that is around three hours and a half walk uh, from where they actually stay. Uh, and I remember I had to do all this walk with them, carry with my cameras the same way they were carrying with like, the tanks and stuff. And I was like actually quite shocked about the distance and the amount of effort these people have to do daily for getting the water. And that's something I really, really. Um, with me and made, made me think a lot, you know, because it was actually quite challenging for me. And it's something they do daily. Daily they do it even twice. So um, they have to go go for the they take water for the animals and also for them, and then they go back to the place and then with that same morning. So it was actually we we're talking that these people in a regular day they can spend even last ten hours only walking looking for water. more than a day. So we did about it in a way like it's a proper field fight so only get water and um yeah it was quite shocking for me that part that aspect no like uh it's quite exhausting we have to understand that it's also a place where it's very it's very dry very hot so it's also like also having an impact in the way you like, you walk and you and you you interact with the with the, with the space 
and uh, that was for me also something that really, really, really um, got me thinking. No? And I think in the pictures you can see nice with all the planet quite, quite dry, very affected by the whole uh, uh, well, situation they're living. The degradation of the land is always a reality there. And you can see it all over the place. So it's actually very challenging for them, uh, especially for the pastoralist community. We have to understand that it's not only them who need water, it's also the animals. Um, and the animals need to be raised. Uh, so it's really, really challenging from, from that perspective. Yeah, they, you, you mentioned that yeah, um, it's every day. It's not something that they do occasionally, but every day. The readers, when they they will read the, the story, they will see that uh, we create a water alert. And when you are reading the article, you are learning uh, how long is the trip for these people to collect water. We saw that they, there are adults, but there are also children that you, you took in the, in the pictures. Basically, take a uh, part of in their daily duties that almost the same way like an adult. They are part of the, the thing. The, the, the kids in the morning meet the animals. The kids go for water too. So it's part. It's like a family. It's a family. They serve like the whole the responsibility and duties in a from a family approach, right? So even the kids are part of it also as well. Uh, we will see after after this uh, an interview that we did in, in Spain with uh, the the coordinator of a school that they are trying to promote that uh, more women uh, became shepherds in the north of Spain in Cantabria, and they told us that uh, some of the concerns sometimes is uh, the future of this profession because. They were families that they used to do it, but most of the young population they live the rural they live the rural areas and and they don't want to do a, a profession that is so important but is so so difficult. I don't know, Jacob, if we can see the interview uh, after this. Yes, I can put it now. It's on. La idea surge, entre otras cosas, porque yo pertenezco a, a la Junta de Cantabria de la Asociación Española contra la Despoblación. Eh, me hace estar en contacto con, con muchas personas que están en el entorno rural, sobre todo productores y ganaderos y ganaderas. ¿no? Y una de las cosas que, que nos decían, entre otras cosas, especialmente las ganaderas, era que, que sería muy interesante tener una formación específica antes de empezar a, a desarrollar su, su labor. ¿no? Lo que detectamos es que también existían otras escuelas de pastores en España, pero una de las cosas que, que no, no las encajaban es que tenían que estar mucho tiempo fuera de casa y aquellas que tenían hijos no podían hacerlo. Entonces lo que, lo que planteamos fue precisamente una, una formación de carácter experiencial pero que eh, sumase la conciliación familiar. Y de ahí pensamos, eh, además de eso, pensamos en las mujeres, porque, entre otras cosas, también sabemos que hay una alta tasa de masculinización en los entornos rurales. El, eh, ha sido una sorpresa agradable porque, primero, hemos mm, constatado que realmente estábamos eh, dando respuesta a una demanda 
y segundo porque ha sido toda una avalancha. Hemos tenido 265 preinscripciones de mujeres tanto del medio rural como mujeres que están en el entorno urbano y quieren trasladarse a, a trabajar en el medio rural. Es más del 60% están entre los 18 y los poco más de 45. La formación finalmente va a ser, se hace para 30 mujeres. Entonces lo que ahora mismo estamos haciendo es una, una selección. Es una formación que se hace online y práctica. Se hace a lo largo de nueve meses enfocadas precisamente a todo lo que nos está planteando Europa, tanto como estrategias como la granja a la mesa, la bioeconomía, la economía circular, pero también la tecnología. La idea es que ellas tengan a final de todo este proceso una formación eh, que va a ser muy transversal, pero que las permita generar su propio eh, proyecto de empresa. Es una de las, eh, es una de los, de las mm, posibilidades para, para volver al medio rural y hacerlo con una base firme. Eso es importante, porque una de las cosas que detectamos es que mucha gente se va al medio rural, pero no sabe eh, a qué se va a dedicar ni cómo va a, a continuar su vida. Entonces, bueno, la idea es que se trasladen al entorno rural, que, es, que el proyecto contribuya a, a fijar población en el entorno rural, pero lo haga de una forma firme, con unas bases asentadas. Hay una tendencia al cambio. Realmente, bueno, no sé si decirte una tendencia al cambio o más bien decirte que lo que hay que, que es una de las cosas que planteamos nosotras en esta formación, también uno de los objetivos es dar visibilidad. And we're back. Yeah, I'm going to ask you, what is the role of women in, in Samburu village? Uh, do they do the same activities, men and women, or how it is? Um, actually, we share most of the activities. Even the women, you can, as you can see in the pictures, you can see them going for water, you can see them going with the animals to graze, you can see them uh, milking animals in the morning. They are actually a very important part of the of the community and they are actually the main i would say that the main the main workforce actually uh, i think they are way more active than men in these communities in many ways um they share quite a lot of the daily duties but uh women uh, have a, a very important role in that way i think they are basically the head of the of the family from from that perspective i don't know if anthony has uh, the same uh, vision or had the same vision while we were working there Yeah, that's true. It's true that. Uh, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm saying th that's true that um, women are engaged, and uh, in some instances, even the women are, have uh, more responsibilities in the, in the in the in the community or in the family unit than than the men, because you'll find that uh, the responsibility of uh, bringing in water for use in the in the household lies squarely on the on the woman because she's the one who uh, gets the water put on the on the on the donkey because sometimes they use the donkey to 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 ferry the water from the from the borehole uh, to to the home uh, sometimes they have to carry the the jerry cans of water themselves on their on, on their body maybe on their head or or slung on their on, on their back for kilometers and kilometers from the borehole to, to the homestead so yet the man may be 
um, his, his his job would be to ensure that the the the, the livestock have uh, have drunk water, and that they then get the pasture that they need uh, uh, to feed on, uh, but but not carrying anything heavy like the woman would do. You mentioned before that uh, they wake up very early and they go to collect water. Uh, could you tell us how is their daily activities? What time do they wake up? Uh, could you tell us more, Luis or Anthony? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, uh, at the camp at uh, Kilaker, where we spent the time with uh, with with Legerin's uh, family, and where they had pitched camp to their livestock. We observed that they they woke up as early as five, so that they can start milking. And by by, by six o'clock is when they were done because they have to milk the, the the camels. They have to milk the cows and the and also the sheep and and, and goats. So, and this is something that uh, is done by uh, both the the, the man, uh, the woman, and also the children because we find that. Uh, the, the man himself, uh, Legerin, was uh, helping with the, the milking of the of the camels while the wife was was, was milking the goats and the, the son was milking the, the cattle. So that is something that is done between that hour, between 5 a.m. in the morning to 6 a.m. in the morning. And after that is when they have breakfast before uh, leaving out, uh, leaving camp to head towards the river if it's uh, that to then the, the camels and the, and the, the, and they, the cattle yeah. and the sheep. Sometimes the connection yeah, so, is not good, but I, yeah, I think we heard. Can you hear me? Yeah, can I hear you now? Yeah. Yeah, saying that it, because uh, it depends on the day whether the camels are going to be taken to the to, to the river on that day because as now that uh, because of the distance they they rather if uh, uh, a particular livestock like uh, the camels which can uh, stay in in camp for up to seven days or even 14 days without going back to the river then they are left behind when which and, and they are taken care of by uh, a younger member of the of the family say uh, a small boy of between seven ten years while the, the others are taken to the river and that is something that happens early in the morning probably by eight that's when the journey begins and uh, is the same uh, depend on the season of the year or they move from a different location or how how it how it is yeah, it depends on. Yeah, it's, it's seasonal, depending on whether there is availability of rain. Uh, the family we spent time with most, the the family of Lejerin Gergaule, they live in a, a village called Sagardala. So this is where they have their permanent home, and they will stay here when there is uh, enough pasture around the village. But that now depend, and uh, in the village, not far from the village, there is a a, a solar lit borehole, which uh, which also has a trough where uh, livestock can drink from. And then, in 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 the in the event that the pasture around the the farm the the, the village is uh, depleted due to overgrazing and maybe uh, there hasn't been rain for some time, then they move further out. 
and they move and they if that distance where they have moved to is too far to come back to uh to, to the home to spend the night in then they move with their with with, with, with their bedding and their utensils so that they can make a pitch camp somewhere where they can stay spend the night and their livestock can graze there and then of course they'll have to uh, walk a longer distance to go and find water so their semi-nomadic um uh, lifestyle is dictated by where they have they find pasture so they'll find pasture and then go look for if they can find them the better find that where there's a borehole which was sunk by the government or if there is a river which can still where they can still get water in then and and that there is no pasture there then they have to go and look for pasture in a further place so the the mechanic the mechanics of this is it has to be where there is pasture and then they can they can then move from there to go and look for for water and then come back to where there is pasture to spend the night or pitch camp thank you uh, uh, i would like to stop in this picture because this one and the previous one uh, they are very nice ladies. i would like to ask you where did you took when did you took this picture is at night or can you explain yeah, us this moment when the night is starting uh, they actually make this fire to keep themselves warm and also the cattle because uh, as many of these desertic kind of land in the night can be quite cold actually so there is a big contrast between how hot it is during the day and the night temperatures so actually what they do when the night is coming as you can see by the colors is actually when the sun is coming down completely and they are going actually preparing to go to sleep so they prepare a few like several bonfires around the camp where they are staying for both them and the animals to keep warm and also wild animals away you know as an attack the cattle they use the fire as well as a way to 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 make the wild animals go away so they actually do that every night before going to sleep they prepare a, a lot of bonfires around the camp it's actually quite nice because uh, the, the evening from the distance you can see like a lot of um, wildfires around there and, and it's when they just sleep and, and, and call it a day right yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing the picture. Before finishing, because uh, it's incredible that one hour already is almost there, I would like to ask you, I don't know if, uh, because I know that you did this story before the pandemic or, or at the beginning, so the pandemic didn't hit the area so much. How is the situation right, right now in Kenya? Mm. At the moment, the situation with the pandemic is uh, quite good. Uh, we have down in the country and we've been under curfew situation for a whole year already. Uh, the numbers have been like uh, growing quite a lot lately, but it's true that it hasn't been as strong as many other countries, like in the region, like, or many countries in Europe. Or, uh, yeah. Or, uh, but, uh, yeah, we cannot hear you, Luis, but uh, if you can speak yeah. up a little bit. I think I cannot hear anybody yes, with yes, my yes. connection. No, no, I hear Luis. Okay, okay. Yeah, I was seeing that uh, the situation uh, with any in Kenya, even though at the moment is not good, uh, it's true that uh, it's not been as bad as uh, some other countries, like South Africa or in Europe, the US. 
But um, I think the big challenge now comes with the vaccines here. I think it's an interesting time for, for the region to understand how the vaccination program is going to happen. Because uh, it's true that at the moment the situation is not quite good. The, the country is under lockdown, basically. Okay. And what are what are you working on right now? And what, what plans do you have? Maybe I'm. I know that you're not not working on anything specific uh, together, but individually. Yeah. Um, well, personally, I've been working on a couple of stories lately. Uh, I was doing a story about a boxing school for girls here in Kenya. I got an assignment. I spent a few days with the girls. Uh, they are girls from from the slums and poor areas in Nairobi that are learning how to box as a way to like, empower themselves and also like as a way to protect themselves from many kind of like dangerous situations they can experience in the slum. And it's actually a story I already photographed like a few years ago, but now I had the opportunity to get another assignment shooting the same story and writing the story, spending more time with the girls again. And it's been quite nice actually. Uh, it's I've been working the last few days now quite excited about this story. I think the pictures are great, so I'm actually looking forward for the story to be out. Cool. I don't know. Antone? Yeah, um, I've been uh, been working on uh, a bit of uh, coastal uh, conservation. Um, uh, worked with the, some community in the, in the coast which is doing uh, seagrass farming and uh, conserving the environment in that part of the country and also looking at uh, the conservation of coastal forests because uh, the coastal forest in, uh, in the East African uh, coast has been depleted so much that what is remaining is just 5% of, of the original. Almost there. <laughs> Well, it sounds amazing. Looking at I think we get it. Awesome. Uh, well, uh, we would like to. What was okay? Uh, that was loud, uh, but it works now. Uh, well, we would like to thank you very much for uh, having the chance to work with you. Uh, I'm pretty sure uh, we will um, try to cooperate with you more in the future. We are very happy about the release of the story uh, and the distribution and promotion begins today. So in the coming days, you will see this extensively on different social media. And of course, you can find it on the website. Keeping, um, hopefully you will get some good news, Luis, in a couple days, uh, or, or if you have it already, you can just wink. Uh, <laughs> we, know, we know how it is. Um, Lola, uh, the final word uh, is yours. We are really happy with the results and yeah, I'm sure that we are going to cooperate uh, together soon. So yeah. let's and keep for, in touch. <laughs> and for crazy people who don't uh, have enough, uh, we will in a couple minutes, you can join Discord server and we will try to also talk a little bit there. I know it sounds crazy. If you don't know what's Discord, then and so on but it's uh, it's an audio little little audio chat we will try also to anyhow thank you very much anthony thank you louis thank you thank you thank you thanks bye thank you very much
Bye. Bye. Bye.